Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Stephanie Boloris. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by analyst Avijet Sunil and senior consultant Jan Saitoff to discuss the ROI of sustainability in the tech industry. Welcome both. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Hello, everyone. So certainly the tech industry is in, let's call it the sustainability spotlight. So maybe you both can dig into why is sustainability such an important issue for tech leaders right now? And is there a sense of urgency, feels like there is around this area? Maybe you can unpack that a little bit. Sure, happy to. Um, So we all saw the recent IPCC report on climate change that highlighted that humanity is in code red and our research also shows that this is not an exaggeration. In fact, um, ICT, um, Information Communication Technologies, um, actually contribute to more than 1.4% of global carbon emissions. Data centers itself are a big consumer of electricity, and therefore they all come under a natural spotlight of what they are doing to address these uh, climate-related issues as well. Our research shows that pressure for organizations come from four major pillars. First is from their uh, investors. The investor community is more aware of how uh, organizations should be considering sustainability as a strategy. Then internally from their employees too. So they want to understand uh, how the organizations they work for and are a part of are addressing some of these issues around them, addressing the issues to their ecosystem. Then from the government, of course, from various government bodies and regulatory authorities around the world. And then also from customers. Every organization that we have spoken to have told us about how aware their clientele now is, be it a B2B company or a B2C company. So sustainability is not just a matter of survival, but also a matter of differentiator for many organizations. Uh, So there are grand problems and transitions affecting the economy and our future, and climate change is one of the biggest. And uh, some these therefore affect the technology sector deeply. Uh, And conversely, technology is also an enabler and a backbone for almost every industry at this time. So, that makes technology a crucial element in the climate conversation and is therefore under a lot of scrutiny. Let's give the listeners a little bit more context about this 1.4% because someone listening might say to themselves, 1.4% of global emissions, that's that's nothing. When you think about what the world needs to focus focus on, um, you think about construction, shipping, you think about agriculture, you think about tra- transportation, you think about... Um, just um, electrification and what our sources of energy come from. But to give it some context, from my understanding is that, as an example, globally, global aviation is 2% of global emissions. So that 1.4% of IT, I mean, think about that. IT is almost as much as global aviation. And then I'm wondering, can you give any context to maybe how fast IT is growing? So, 
that context of comparing it with the aviation industry uh, puts in in context of how urgent the needs are for the technology industry to address climate change. Um, so, as you've said, the aviation industry is already addressing. Um, how it can reduce its carbon footprint. Um, many people are talking about traveling less or using a more optimized method and all of which addresses that 2% and how that can be optimized. But on the other hand, technology is driving more and more industries now. Even traditional industries which were not tech focused are enabled by technology. We are seeing examples of that in the travel and logistics industry, oil and gas, in hospitality. Um, Uber, for example, is a great um, uh, example of how travel and logistics is enabled by technology. So anytime somebody calls for an Uber, the data is sent through data centers, it passes over networks, all of which actually contributes to the carbon footprint um, uh, of technology and uh, increases the carbon emitted into the atmosphere. So uh, this back-end process is often overlooked and technology transformation is happening in every industry. So it is safe to say that um, uh, the carbon footprint of technology would um, would even double in the next decade and uh, therefore might get up with the airline industry on more, uh, which is not a good sign. I think it's interesting to note though also that um, technology can also provide solutions. So you can invest in technologies and therefore also reduce the impact. So. There's lots of different examples. If you think about digital transformation, you're reducing the use of paper, um, energy buildings management systems, um, telematics to to make fleet, you know, vehicle fleets more efficient and and you know use less less fuel, etc. So there are also technology investments that can be made that um, that have a positive impact. I wonder going forward if that's the new dimension that people have to evaluate technology on, which is not just what kind of transformation and, and uh, business enablement it's encouraging, but what is this technology doing itself in terms of my, my carbon footprint? It's either reducing it or it's actually increasing it. But yeah, it's interesting to date. Most organizations haven't put any real real thought into it. I think, for example, right now, everybody's involved in the cryptocurrency industry. Um which for many of those who are investing in it, they just see the financial gains, but they haven't considered at all um, what that kind of energy consumption is doing for, for global emissions. Correct. And we have said that technology has a power to solve problems that it creates on its own. And sustainability is certainly one of it. And um, uh, crypto, cryptocurrency, like you mentioned, Stephanie, is a, is a great example. Um, the right use case for using blockchain is essential because um, without scale, the computing power that might be required for uh, blockchain uh, use cases might not even be justified. So the um, two sides of the coin of uh, how can technology help in sustainability and on the other hand how much will some of these technologies affect the carbon footprint um, of, of, of an organization or an industry is certainly something that's worth investigating more into and researching more on. Oftentimes in the past we talked about it more as like making sacrifices, but in your analysis, was there an actual benefit? Was there a return from sustainability efforts? 
Sure, I'm happy to start and then um, I'll let my colleague Ian talk more about the work specifically that we did. So we've found that being more sustainable is often synonymous with optimization. And we observed that organizations which innovate with sustainability as a North Star also become more optimized in their functioning. Um, each industry has its own challenges and each individual organization will have unique opportunities to address. Among the first steps for an organization to take would be to assess where opportunities lie, what initiatives um, in sustainability matters most to its clients, uh, to its investors, and ultimately for its survival to disassociate the problems of the industry from the survival of the organization itself. As with most ambitions, organizations often underestimate what they can do in the uh, long term and overestimate the impact they can have in the short term. And these initiatives include simpler um, strategies such as green energy procurement or carbon offsets to deeper long-term problems such as demand-side energy, utilization, optimization, electrification, uh, retrofitting uh, buildings um, into being more green. Thus, a structured thinking on investments and when to expect returns, uh, and most importantly, in what form these returns come back to the organization is necessary to make the case for sustainability and to make sustainability sustainable within an organization. In fact, the very same IPCC report we mentioned earlier called out how climate crisis poses enormous financial risk to investment managers, asset owners, and businesses in general, and that therefore these risks should be measured and mitigated uh, immediately. So assessing your own internal ROI is a great first step in the process. Right. And if I can share some of the some of the findings that we had. So we spoke to to several large um, organizations and there are a number of ways in which they can really see some upsides from um, from putting more resources into sustainability. So the big one is really that their customers are demanding that they provide more sustainable solutions. So whether that be more um, energy efficient servers or products that uh, use less packaging or um, use less materials that are harmful to the environment, whatever it is, lots of different ways in which organizations can innovate to make their products more environmentally attractive, shall we say. Um, and investing in that is, is absolutely key and particularly large organizations are demanding in their RFPs, RFIs, that their, their suppliers provide proof of the ambitions and the, and the, the track record of the supplier um, to show that they are making moves in the right direction. Um, so that's a, that's a big one, right? So your customers are demanding it, both B2B and B2C, of course. Um, and then as we as we started, you know, your employees are demanding this. And so if you if you're not doing this, then you're risking employees leaving, becoming less engaged and so forth. And, and the issues associated with that um, on the financial side, there are potential upsides because um, some we found some sustainability linked bonds, for instance, have lower interest rates. Um, there might be other financial benefits, whether that's subsidies or grants or, or some local authorities supporting 
organizations which are being more sustainable. Um, so, so various different ways in which there are upsides for organizations to, to be investing in this. You know, a, a lot of what we just described, it, it is a fantastic return. You know, you're, you're adapting, you're adjusting to new, new market demands, but at the same time, it's still people telling you, you have to, there's almost still a compliance or a mandate mentality or aspect to it. Someone's making you, your customers are making you, your employees are making you, investors are making you, the government's making you. At, at, at some point though, have you guys found in your research that it, the mindset of a company transitions where they really understand that there is a, um, an additional ROI? Like, do they find significant cost savings? It could be energy efficiency. Um, it could be, you mentioned cost optimization. So within, let's stick with tech. Um, utilization rates, whether that's computer storage or networking, at some point, do they start to realize, hey, beyond people making us do this, this is just good business sense. This is good technology sense. This is good financial sense. I'm curious, like in your in your analysis, what sort of like specifics you you found around that? If you did, yeah, there are a few examples. Um, so several of AI and machine learning being used to optimize processes. So for instance, um, calling a data center, um, you know, AI can do that better. And I think there was one organization, they, they reduced their energy consumption by 15% in that way. Um, we've also found content, um, uh, content management networks being able to, to optimize how data is moved right between edge and central and so forth. And so optimizing that again, reducing the energy used, it makes business sense, right? Um, and another big one is um, is moving to the cloud. Um, and for hyperscalers, this is a competitive edge. So they want to show that they are being sustainable and in that way have an additional driver to, to push their customers to go to the cloud because it's it's um, it was shown as one of the, the low-hanging fruit, right? This is moving to the cloud is, is, is definitely a, a move in the right direction. Well put, Jan. Um, and... Additionally, we also found that there is an opportunity cost for not being sustainable. So we uh, were told by uh, some of our cloud and uh, content discovery network um, clients that they are seeing a rise of uh, up to 30 to 40% questions in RFPs that specifically focused on sustainability. And the weightage of these questions in the final decision-making process is also increasing. So by not being sustainable enough or not having their story well laid out, by not having a sustainability strategy that clients can relate to, businesses were uh, actually losing customers. And we uh, mapped this into our model and uh, found that um, this translated to uh, hundreds of and even millions of dollars over a period of um, uh, three to five years. Are you seeing that, you know, sort of the shift from like being compliant with market demands, as Stephanie noted, to being proactive, seeing this as a differentiation for your firm and obviously the benefits that come with it is driven organically, like current leadership is sort of taking the helm here and, and moving forward. Or is there outside expertise being brought in, uh, new roles dedicated to sustainability being formed to, to make this a priority? Like, wh What are you seeing on that front? 
Well, many organizations are now focused on building their um, sustainability-related internal organizations in a in a well-oiled manner, and we are seeing many different types of internal structuring that enables organizations to do this. One example of how uh, expertise in this field is now more in demand than ever before is the rise of professional services around sustainability. So we are seeing that uh, professional services firms across the spectrum are offering services related to sustainability, and that addresses uh, all um, parts of the climate change um, uh, equation. Um, for example, management consultancies are helping clients with strategy related and uh, other uh, roadmap related work. Uh, IT services firms are also helping clients with uh, application development related uh, climate change solutions. Um, there are boutique startups who help address specific uh, challenges in climate-related uh, problems. Um, there are also product firms who have been offering services associated with products and solutions that they offer to their clients. And this means that uh, across the spectrum in almost every industry, there is a need to understand uh, more about the opportunities that are right in front of them, that are in their, on, in their headlights, and also for um, specific expertise related that 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 marries environment related uh, awareness and the deep understanding of technological framework uh, to help solve some of these problems. Um, I, I wanted to also mention uh, the study that we did um, on the chief sustainability officer. So um, uh, our recent research uh, that uh, Steph and colleagues led on uh, analyzing the organizational structure of Fortune 200 companies uh, told us that 58% uh, of Fortune 200 companies had a named sustainability lead who was a director level or above and who had a sole responsibility to look at sustainability for the organization. And that number must have grown since the publication of that report itself because we recently saw some announcements by some of these largest technology firms about uh, particularly focused teams on sustainability. And this is both a clear indicator of opportunity in that space about how much more even Fortune 200 companies have to go in terms of addressing their internal sustainability related efforts, but also the fact that this is a rising trend. It seems to me like if you're going to set targets, if you're going to want to be more sustainable, step number one is to actually figure out your current carbon footprint like do some carbon accounting, do, do, do that baseline. Um, and that's not a typical skill within today's traditional IT teams. Like, do they even know how to do carbon accounting? To your point, many of the digital transformation efforts across the spectrum had been focused on cost so far. So about uh, making the organization more optimized in terms of cost and being more cost effective and um, being in a model that brings more customer experience but now into that equation is also carbon footprint so we are also seeing the rise of many tools that will help um, assess the carbon footprint of uh, of an organization particularly in the cloud and how do you optimize for that uh, etc i'm actually curious to kind of talk about another aspect which is um you know, I've often thought about like the dirty little secret of uh, digital transformation, which is all the e-waste. You know, if you're transforming yourself, you're upgrading. That means you're also decommissioning a whole bunch of infrastructure. Um, how many organizations are really looking at 
proper sort of recycling, refurbishing of all of their IT infrastructure from the smallest things. Like you think about some some handheld or mobile device out in your warehouse all the way through to your backend data center infrastructure, server storage networking. Yeah, this is a uh, rising topic of interest amongst uh, amongst clients and um, amongst companies in, uh, in, in a variety of industries. And um, a lot of organizations are thinking about their contribution to the circular economy, how they can be um, more um, circular in their product design, uh, how they can enable their solutions to be um, re-engineered and recycled. And um, to your point, anything that does not fall into the circular economy, how they can manage that e-waste responsibly. So we are actually seeing a rise in asset upcycling firms who help with this. Uh, We are also seeing um, a raise in various business models, pricing models that are being offered by vendors to help clients uh, address some of this. Uh, as an example, uh, we are we have been seeing the shift from traditional um, models of purchasing to as a service models. But many vendors are now talking about how this also aids in the circular economy strategy, and uh, therefore procurement teams are taking note of this and seeing how even their function is helping aid sustainability. So. One thing I'm curious about is, it's interesting when you look at the high-tech industry, so some of the companies that are have the most ambitious carbon reduction goals, even net zero goals, um, are some of the biggest high-tech firms themselves. Like It's the big cloud hyperscalers. Um, it's the biggest names in tech. Are there, are there lessons from them? Like What can we learn from them in terms of renewable technologies, in terms of the latest and data center technologies. Like I've heard of some colo providers in the Nordics, for example, that you know are building uh, data centers far underground, re- new sources of re- renewable energy. We even heard about some hyperscalers like building data centers underwater. Like what what are some of the the most innovative advancements that you've heard? Like you mentioned, are seeing a lot of great initiatives around this around across the technology framework. Um, we are seeing a lot of uh, natural-based um, energy optimization systems that uh, hyperscalers, cloud, and uh, co-location players are, are, are exploring, such as um, relocating to places where they can have natural cooling systems. Uh, we are also seeing um, the exploration of uh, more innovative techniques, just as you mentioned, underwater data center, underground data centers. Uh, in fact, even the exploration of uh, uh, you know moving closer towards the poles to use the cooler climate there. Um, we are also seeing the uh, seeing investments in uh, technologies such as hydrogen-based uh, you know, energy storage. And um, those technologies will, uh, will have more prominence in the near future. The IEA estimated that the majority of technologies that we needed to be net zero by 2050 are still at the prototype uh, stage. So a lot of investments around this uh, around these technologies will come up uh, we're also seeing right now a scramble for green energy procurement by some of these hyperscalers so in the us some of the longest term utility contracts are um, are are being done are being made by um, cloud players and co-location players so um, 
organizations who own large data centers such as Facebook and uh, co-location players, uh, they're actually at the forefront of investing in uh, green energy and influencing policy around that space. And we are also seeing a lot of conversation around carbon offsets and carbon trading. So uh, some of the large uh, technology players who have commitments to be net zero or even carbon negative, as you've seen, are exploring the um, policies around uh, carbon offsets and investing in carbon offsets in the right manner. Uh, there is a whole ecosystem of players around um, enabling uh, ethical investments in carbon offsets that are that are rising up at this time. Um, so these are some great initiatives that we are seeing now and we'll continue to see. The majority of investments around this will be around electrification. So um, the um, demand side, um, energy optimization, and how do you electrify as much as possible and then use green energy for what you've just uh, electrified. Um, vehicles is a great example. Uh, it is a, it's a low-hanging fruit because transportation has such a massive carbon footprint as well. And many governments are talking about this too. And, uh, uh, and then there will be a lot of innovation around process carbon elimination as well in industries such as cement and manufacturing where uh, the majority of carbon emissions is from that space and it will possibly be the last of spaces from where carbon is eliminated because of the massive challenge of the problem itself i tend to be a little skeptical of carbon offsets you know and i think especially for you know the hyperscalers and other uh, high-tech firms that are relying on them. I'm always a little skeptical of them. Convince me that offsets aren't just total fraud or aren't just people, you know, being paying to pollute right. um, or, <laughs> or actually are, are doing the opposite. You know, planting, planting trees is, doesn't always work, especially if um, five years later that, that tree burns down in a fire and re right. releases all of its carbon again. So I don't know. I, I'm a skeptic of offsets. Convince me that they're, they should be a part of your strategy. Well, uh, skepticism on offsets uh, is, 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 is very justified and uh, it deserves a type of criticism as well because um, when a firm talks about being carbon neutral, a uh, majority of that might come from their offsets purchasing, uh, you know, and if, uh, their carbon emissions uh, are mostly in, let us say, North America. And if they buy carbon offsets someplace in remote Asia or Africa, then does that justify the 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 you know emissions that they, they continue to make in in that that region where they do? Is something uh, that that's that's part of the debate. And on the other hand, does this also justify or make the case for them to continue making these emissions? So therefore. Uh, carbon offsets and the market around it deserve the uh, type of scrutiny that it is getting at this time. However, there is increased awareness around some of this. So we saw some initiatives that uh, Microsoft uh, had been taking to make sure that the offsets that we're purchasing is indeed justified. Um, as an example, um, you know, if they are investing into a investing into purchasing forest lands that uh, will that will uh, c capture carbon then did that forest really need the saving that uh, that is being uh, talked about you know, you know those 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 types of scrutiny 
investors are also more aware about and are asking questions on and uh, it's indeed like around some of this that we are seeing some startups um uh, you know building capabilities and helping these organizations to kind of navigate through the space but uh the, you know the there is a resounding uh, agreement that carbon reliance on carbon offset must reduce but at this time at least there are certain industries which will need to rely on this and um but travel and logistics is is one example or the cement industry is another where process uh, emissions of carbon is inevitable at least for now and um, it is somewhat um uh, so, something like saying something is better than nothing at this time but a clear strategy for us to get off reliance on carbon offsets to be more sustainable will be inevitable for us to uh, continue on the journey to be net zero Abhijit, you and I have talked a lot about the journey that organizations have to take and Forrester's in the process of uh, working on a maturity model. You know, as we've discussed, a lot of companies start off at the mandate step. Somebody's making them do this. If you were to give advice to enterprises that were at the earlier stages, maybe they, they're just getting past the mandate stage. Um, are there some low-hanging fruit or some immediate steps that they can take in their journey to that optimized stage and maybe even start to think about, well, what could I bring to a decarbonized market now? So organizations, especially at the beginning stage who are just responding to the compulsions around them from you know local governments, investors, their, their clients, uh, they have a great opportunity to look inwards and look at, uh, at low-hanging fruits within especially their IT and their internal value chain. So IT offers a lot of great opportunities, including uh, something we mentioned earlier about long-term utility contracts for green energy, sponsoring green energy um, uh, projects um, so that uh, you know they can they can they can invest in more uh, cutting-edge technologies such as wind energy and other uh, hydrogen-based storage solutions, carbon recapture solutions. Um, then internally, how can you optimize your networks and data center and your IT functioning so that you're working with vendors who they who themselves have a good um, code of conduct and who are able to share your sustainability story? Some of these optimization levers will help you push towards being um, being at a stage where you no longer are reacting to the external forces that are making you uh, that, that that are asking you to be more sustainable but you can you can realize more business value out of investing in sustainability you can see that more innovative products are being generated because you invested in this one example is uh, lenovo who devised a new soldering method and that came directly out of innovation that was made with sustainability as a north star uh, we are also seeing other professional services firms such as atos who are offering services and who are in uh, themselves on a sustainability journey um, surely because they are seeing value business value out of being more sustainable uh, and we'll see more organizations ramp up on that journey in the near future but the ultimate goal would be to be uh, at a state of being future safe Great. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, everyone. Excited to share more research with you soon. And thanks for having me as well. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.